This podcast discusses content that may be triggering for some listeners. Please be advised, discussions include gambling language, types of gambling, and addiction. Hello and welcome to the Hidden Addiction Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the Mid-Hudson Problem Gambling Resource Center under the New York Council on Problem Gambling. Across New York State, we have seven resource centers dedicated to connecting individuals to care. We are here to increase awareness about problem gambling and advocate for support services for persons adversely affected by problem gambling. Gambling is defined as risking something of value on a game of chance. There can be many types of gambling and it can affect anyone at any time in their life. It may not be talked about often and kept in the dark, but we hope this podcast sheds light on the hidden addiction of gambling and brings forth resources and information for you to use. Hello, welcome to the Hidden Addiction Podcast. We're here, it's March, and it's Problem Gambling Awareness Month, but it is also Women's History Month, and we're just so happy. You know, our group of uh, the Mid-Hudson Problem Gambling Research Center is filled with women, and we're here with two guests who we have Christina from the Broke Girl Society podcast, and we have Tara from Ambition Addicts podcast. We're just excited for them to be here and to join us and to talk about women and problem gambling and what is it like to be in recovery and and the stigmas that may come with it, the supports, lack thereof, whatever. But we're just excited to have this conversation with two amazing women who speak on problem gambling within their own podcast on a daily basis and who are true advocates. So thank you, ladies. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate you having us. Awesome. We're excited. Right? Yeah. Very excited. What are you excited about? I'm excited that we're talking about women with problem gambling. I mean, it's, it's not talked about as much. There's a lot of research that shows, you know, women are less likely and uh, that's not what we experience. Mm. Not at all. Not at all. When I see those numbers come out, I'm just like, who are they, who are they talking to? Like, who who's like, where are they survey? getting this? Yeah. Like who, who's actually doing these surveys? Every time I see one, and I, I'm, it just blows my mind because Tara and I being so active in the recovery community, um, we just, we can't match it up. You know, I, I often said that about surveys and just like, I'm like, I wonder who these people are talking to. Cause they ain't never asked me not a daggone thing. <laughs> just in just sur- surveys in general. I was like, they sure enough didn't ask me for my opinion because this doesn't reflect what I think or what, what I see is actually happening in the community. So it really, just what you're saying is, it speaks true. So if you, you really see a lot of statistics when it's, it's dealing with men and or even the younger generation is talking about men and not often do we ever talk about the female and the women and what women are going through and however it may look especially within this field that is so quote unquote considered a male dominant field or male dominant addiction but hey, um 
I have a sensitivity to the phrase male dominance. I did a lot Good of job. work. Talk about I did it. a lot of work in um in my recruiting, my, my former life. I was a recruiter and we did a lot of recruiting for engineering. So I've shifted my language and I say highly male populated. Ooh, that is a, that. that's that is a um because we are dominating. No, <laughs> no really, it, it's true. I, I just, I, w- I was sitting in some circles most recently, and it doesn't necessarily have to do with problem gambling, but it does have to do with just community work, right? And just advocating for people. And what also, like you say, male dominates like a trigger for you when people sometimes say um, underserved or the minority community, and especially when it comes down to uh, the BIPOC community. And somebody said, no, it's the global majority. Mm-hmm. The global majority. And I was, when I thought I was like, okay. Yeah, there's nothing minor I about like me. That. Yeah. <laughs> But it doesn't, it doesn't take away, it doesn't strip anything from or make somebody feel less than, right? It just, the, the shift in changes of, of words just may, allows people to feel seen and appreciated and, and known like things are happening to me too. That I am included in something when we shift our ways of thinking by just the simplest word. So tell me again, Tara, what it, what was it? Not male dominated, but highly male populated, highly male populated mm-hmm. because we're, we're, we're taking over. You know we're I'm dominating saying? too. We're dominating too <laughs> in many ways than one. <laughs> I think that really raises a, a good point. Just talking about how like, how much language matters and how oftentimes like in the world of gambling, even like we, this podcast is called the hidden addiction podcast because gambling problem, gambling, gambling disorder, it is very easy to hide. And I think just in terms of social norms and how our society views gambling, there's a very one track mindset of what this is going to look like for someone. And if they even start thinking about what a gambling problem can look like for someone, that looks one way. And we have conversations through our presentations and training and even through these podcasts where people kind of open their eyes to so the, the really just the vast majority of how, how big the world of gambling, the world of problem gambling can be and the impacts it can have. And we always say gambling and a gambling disorder can impact anyone at any point in their life. It's, it's not just this stereotypical person at the horse track, like having a, a, a bad day. Cause they're, you know what I mean? Like there's so many different ways that a gambling problem can present. And the work that you both are doing on the podcast, Christina, the, um, the bet free life that you're doing on YouTube, like you're doing so much to break down the stigma and change the language, change the conversation, show that gambling disorder impacts. It can impact really anyone at any point. And we have to really work to take the stigma off of this addiction, work to change how people are viewing this and how people are talking about it. So that it's, I don't know if inclusive is the right word, but I guess, yeah, it is inclusive, right? Like we want to make sure that people know there's help for everyone available and you're not alone. You're not the only person who's felt this because that can feel so isolating, right? Like if you feel like, oh my gosh, like that's not what I think of gambling. I don't think that a woman can have a problem. Like, yes, women do struggle with gambling, so, so much. And oftentimes they do it even more so in silence. So I just want to praise you guys for all the work that you're doing. Um, and thank you again for joining us because this conversation, I'm already, we're only like 10 minutes in and I'm already pumped about it. 
Well, thank you so much. I think the biggest thing for me when I when I stepped into to podcasting in, in the recovery world, and a lot of that has to be a thanks. I have to give my thanks to Tara um, for in, like really introducing me to the podcasting side of things. But when we look at like all the conversations that are being had about problem gambling at this moment, which I am grateful for any conversation being had about any, any, in any capacity when it comes to problem gambling and bringing awareness, but especially there in New York, because of the new online sports betting situation going on, all, all the articles that I am coming across are young male men. And they're in this kind of this late twenties to mid thirties range. That's all anybody wants to talk about. And, you know, the sports betting and things like that. And I've said this and on a couple of different things, like loudly, like, Hey, I'm, I am thankful that people are talking about problem gambling, but don't forget us women. Like we, we're, you know, you don't see us really show up because some of us are just like, we have so much on our shoulders that we feel like we could lose by just taking time for ourselves to get help. Right. We have families, we've got kids, we've got, you know, all, all, all their shit, all their stuff you know, that, that we have to keep up with, we've got work, we've got house. So it's like, if, if we take five minutes out of our day, it feels guilty. It feels like, you know, and a lot of times because there are no boundaries for us women, when it comes to stuff like that, you know, you get pushback. That's where a lot of the guilt and stress comes from. But when you talk about women in, in gambling addiction, right. The small majority of women that are even being acknowledged with this problem, then you break that out to the different diversities, you know, versus like you've got women in the Asian community, right? It's, it's actually a really big deal. And even here in Tulsa, you know, they're trying to find people who can speak those languages so that they can help people, but there's, there's nobody that speaks those languages that are, that is in a capacity that they could help people Spanish speaking, you know, even, even the communities of the cultural difference, you know, in communities of, of, you know, women, women of color and things like that. There's so much, there's just so much that's not being addressed. Right. And how do we do that? Like, how do we get our voices out there and, and break this stigma and, and bring everybody together? So I think for me, I just really gotten passionate about that. So I'm not really sure if it made sense, but for me, having this conversation is very, very exciting. And, and I hope that you know, people hear it. I think that um, you, everything you said was amazing. And even in listening, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. How can we, how can we like really rally around this notion of getting other people's, people whose voices are not normally heard like women and the different cultures within, you know, or, or women with different cultures or backgrounds and, 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 and ideologies, everything. How can we really rally around them and get their story heard outside of even just this podcast space, which is an amazing and amazing space. And I'm grateful for it in many ways than one, but to the forefront to the eyes where we're in, we're in the face, we're in people's faces. Is that going to take us to having our own conference? Maybe. <laughs> is, oh. is Wouldn't that, that be amazing? Yeah. Right. Is Maybe. it going to take us having our own rally um, in recovery? It, you know, because yeah, we can always clump people together, but we, 
we want to we want to be able to stand out. We want to be able to say we are here, and we we th these are issues that are within our lives that we you know we are struggling with, and even not just uh, people, women who are struggling with gambling, but just even the the loved one. If there is a woman who whose partner is um is the gambling addict, how are they even dealing with it? Right? It's it's rallying around that and supporting them in that space. Yeah. I think one of the things with the <clears throat> representation, you know, me and Christina, like one of our very first conversations, we talked a lot about how much representation matters, not just for women, but for people from all walks of life. And you walk into, we were both casino gamblers. You walk into a casino that looks very different than when you walk into a 12 step recovery room. If my 12 step recovery is not meeting the needs of problem gamblers from all the populations who I see at the casino, then what can we do to help understand a, why aren't we meeting their needs? What's the history there? How are, how has this program maybe historically been harmful? How has this, how has the traditions that this, um, or how does, I should say, the traditions of this program contrast culturally with the, how they were raised, what they believe is to be true about how they should seek support or help. And uh, specifically in the Asian community, I've come to learn, you know, there's a lot of family tradition tied to gambling and um, a lot of um, kind of that you know, we got to be tough and just get through things as a family. You don't seek outside help. We don't air our dirty laundry. Like that's, uh, that's in sharp contrast to, you know, bring somebody into a, a recovery setting, whether that be 12 step or even group. So how do we help amplify the voices of the people who've gotten to the other side of this problem and what solutions are they finding to be successful Christina and I both share in this belief, all recovery, all pathways, like we just want you to recover. And so our little part in the world is trying to bring more women into the conversation and, and share their stories. And yet there's so much more that we can be doing. Yeah, I agree with everything Tara said. Um, I think, you know, our big, our biggest goal is to break the stigma of this addiction um, especially for women. Uh, I want women to feel safe seeking the help they need to understand that they are worthy of taking that time to get that healing, to, to, you know, better their lives. Um, and I think that's the one thing that a lot of women struggle with is they feel like they're not worthy of taking time out of their day, their life, taking that time away from their family. Um, to, to get the help that they need. And for some reason for them, it's easier to, to still gamble. And so it's just kind of like being a voice and helping them, helping change that mindset of you can do it for you. You can, you can take that time. And by doing that, you will be helping everybody around you. Emotions you're talking about, Christina, that that burden of, I have so much to do. I can't let people down. I, I can't, you know, I can't disappoint people are some of the same feelings that sent me right to gamble. Like I got to get out of my head. I have so much pressure on me. I need to let off some steam. And so sometimes 
those same feelings coming up, if I don't have a safe place to go share that with somebody can be a re-triggering event. And so if I'm not welcomed in a recovery room and I don't feel like I can take that time for myself, somehow I find the time to gamble. <laughs> uh, not today, but um, you know, it's, it's interesting. The things that prevent us from getting help are almost identical to the things that drive us towards our addiction. So like things like, um, we talked about recovery uh, or re recovery groups or support groups, um, the, a way to counteract that or to help would be like having um, a, a, a all women or a women led um, support group in GA. Is that something that would be helpful to, uh, to women in, in recovery? I think having women lead in the recovery field is extremely helpful, especially women with, um, you know, there are a lot of great therapists out there who are very, who are very good with dealing with women in, in these situations. So I, you know, what would be amazing is if there was a program of like clinician lived experience, female kind of like teaming up and, and just really working together to help women, um, whether it's in a 12 step atmosphere or just in a, in a group atmosphere, but having more of that within, within like the statewide programs. Um, and I have to say that New York overall should be like, cause I know so many of you guys there in New York who work the front lines, who, who work with, with people struggling. Um, you know, to me, it should be like across the board. Like you guys should lead the way because what you guys do is absolutely amazing. Cause unfortunately a lot of, a lot of States fall short when it comes to showing up for people struggling with gambling or, or a, a affected family member, but definitely like working together and, and having programs available, women led programs. I mean, there's a lot of great things that you can get from a co-ed program, but yeah, you know, I hold meetings weekly in the, in the broke girl society, uh, support group. And it's a, it's a different, it's a different atmosphere. It's a different feeling. It's, it's very, very empowering. So, yeah, I think the more that we could do with female involvement, you know, you're only going to benefit more people. The qualities that women possess, it, you know, that is different than what the qualities that men possess, but we both, all both sides possess this, these qualities of feminine and, um, and masculine energies. And for the feminine energy, it's, 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 or the female, it's, it's a nurturing. It's the, that's, it's the nurturing mothering quality that we possess to say that, you know, come, come, let me, let me hold you. Let me embrace you. So whether it, if it's not even just the physical embracement, it's the words, it's the comfort in our tone. It's the, it's the, and, and I'm not saying all women, but, you know, actually they, we possess it, but maybe not really act on it, but it's just something that is naturally innate in us that we, that, that maybe that is just something that is missing within these, um, these spaces It's just, come and I will, I will embrace, hold you, walk with you, cry with you, do and, and, and help you in this journey and whatever you're going through. 
and and even going back to um, both of you guys talking on why women don't come forth or why people why women start to gamble in terms of feeling all this pressure, the pressures, life's pressures of being a certain person for a certain a certain way, and you're always on that pressure to be on all the time is exhausting is exhausting. I've even felt that. Like I'm always on, I know what it feels like. And it was so tiring. My body, my everything felt so exhausted. So I can just imagine what people, women feel like this day in, day out of constantly being on and then forgetting yourself in the process. So any moment that you can feel any type of rest, whether that is in the casinos or that's just on your phone because that's the new way to go about doing things is the mobile sports betting and that's just a rest for your mind and in in some ways it interprets the rest for your body and then that's where you can get lost into um unhealthy cycles of, of not being well one thing that i am thinking a lot about is just like the way that our like our social norm system has been structured and constructed really. Cause it's, it's really all just a construction. It's, it's not even realistic, but anyway, I won't go on that tangent, but I think a lot of how our society views women is it's acceptable to like feel your feelings and be emotional and whatever. And a lot of men are kind of taught from a young age that that is not acceptable and they have to stuff it down and big and rowdy and, 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 you know, and so a lot of things are based out of that, you know, masculine has to be this way and feminine has to be this way. And so um, just how women are, are taught, you always have to be on, as you've said, right? You've always got to be prim and proper and wonderful, but you also have to be coddly and you have to make everyone feel this, but you also really can't, as a woman, you're not supposed to break down or have too many emotions because then you're too emotional. There's just, the system that we live in is just exhausting, right? And then, so when you add into this, we, as a society, view gambling as a super safe, very little risk associated social activity. And so when a woman is, well, really when anyone is experiencing this, these feelings of being overwhelmed or burdened or needing a break or wanting to have fun, right? We don't enough talk about how, yeah, the same, you can gamble and have a great time. You can go to the movies and have a great time. You can hang out with friends and have a great time. But in everything in life, there's going to be certain risks or consequences that are associated. And with gambling, we don't talk about it. And specifically, when we're having problems, we're just kind of taught from an early age, eh, keep that to yourself, stuff it down, put it somewhere else. And then so when you go into whether it's, you know, certain treatment settings or recovery support settings or even online chat rooms, sometimes it can be really vulnerable to put yourself out there and say, oh, I've got this really big burden I've been carrying all by myself. I don't know what to do with it. And now I'm going to give it away to someone that sometimes you don't even know. Like I, through the PGRC system, I manage the phone lines. I answer the call when someone is looking for help. And the, the breath of relief that someone will kind of let go of once they say, you know, I've got a gambling problem is like, oh my God, like this person could very well have been holding this inside of them for who knows how long, never uttering those words and just allowing them the space to be able to see that, you know, for a lot of people, they don't have that opportunity. And I feel like now I'm kind of rambling. So I'm going to bring this back into what we're talking about, but I just think that there's so many different barriers that 
not only we as women face, but really anyone that's been impacted by an addiction, by life hardship, by trauma, we just don't have enough settings and cycles for people to be able to be vulnerable and feel comfortable being vulnerable. And so we kind of create these situations where we're setting ourselves and others up for failure. And then it's like, oh, how'd you get there? It's so weird how that happened to you. Something must be wrong with you, right? Like there's just, there's so much work that we have to do. Um, And I would be remiss if I didn't say that the great Beyonce once said, who runs the world? Well, it's girls. And we like, when we talk about how are we going to change, how are we going to change the whole system? How are we going to change how we view things? through things like this, right? Although the podcasting world, I think really boomed over the past couple of years, although it's always been there, like we're able to have conversations across state lines, right? Our, all of our podcasts have reaches much farther than our voices can carry in person. So just the more that we're able to talk about these things and, and work to change what the quote unquote face of gambling looks like and talk about like, what are the real things happening behind the scenes, right? Because you don't wake up one day and say, I think I'm going to go and uh, develop a gambling problem. That sounds like a great way to spend a Tuesday. Like that's not how that works. You know, a lot of things happen behind the scenes. You experience whether you're feeling overwhelmed or you have past trauma or you just don't, you know, realize the risks associated. Like there are so many different paths, but then it's like you get to this destination and, and you feel alone. And it's like someone turns off all the lights around you. And where do you go from there? You know? So the more that we can talk about these things, again, I sit on soapboxes a lot, so sorry for anyone listening, but the more that we can talk about these things, and we just had this big cool event for uh, PGAM where we had a lot of landmarks across New York State light up in yellow, right? So Niagara Falls was lit up yellow, and the Tappan Zee Bridge or the Mario Cuomo Bridge um, was yellow, and all, all different landmarks. And it was so cool to get so many different partners to shine a light on problem gambling and talk about it. Just let's just, and Brian Hatch always says, you just got to talk about it. You got to tell yeah. someone, you got to start the conversation. Um, so I have a lot of thoughts and a lot of feelings, but I'll stop now. Hashtag talking helps. Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> hashtag talking, talking helps. helps. Yeah. We'll that's it. Show notes. We'll put um, that in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's his big thing at the, he'll be so happy. We talked about him in this. Um, <laughs> How do we talk about podcasting and problem gambling without, without talking about talking. Brian Hatch? I don't think that's possible. He is the godfather. And the inspiration for so many of us who then said, oh, I could talk about this on a podcast. Absolutely. Um, I just want to say something in compared to what you said, when, you know, when those people first call you, right. And you answer the phone and it sounds like they're just letting everything go. Like, oh, I can't believe I just submitted this. And I have to tell you, you know, I gambled for almost 15 years and, you know, the last seven of that being, uh, destructive. And when I told somebody that being my mother about my addiction, about what it, what it had done to me being seen and heard for the first time in so many years is life-changing. And so, you know, that's why it's so important for people on the other side of that line, for the people that are answering that line to understand that. Um, I was talking with a woman last night and she had a terrible helpline experience and it broke my heart. It broke my heart. And, um, I just said, try calling back tomorrow. Uh, I know the area that she's in. I'm going to 
reach out through people I know and see if I can get her a better situation. But that is probably the fifth person that I've talked to in the last month who had a terrible experience with their helpline. And it breaks my heart because there's, we can do better. We can absolutely do better. And when I, when I say that New York should lead the way on that, I'm not, I'm not just saying that because I'm on a New York podcast. I'm saying that because I legit know what you women do, uh, for these people. And so I just wanted to kind of counter that with, with, you know, it is so important. And then also it's, it's a lot of the terminology too, on, on the, on, on the industry side, you know, like responsible gambling. Um, I'm not going to go and rant about that. I'm not, I'm just going to say we were all responsible until we weren't, we were all controlled until we weren't. And I feel like that word takes the blame and puts it on us. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of gray area there. So that's, that's what I want to say about that. I have a lot of thoughts about all the things that have been said, um, by everyone up until this point, it's hard to, for me to sit here and just be quiet. <laughs> I'll just name that. Um, I want to go back to that masculine feminine energy thing. Now I mentioned earlier, this idea of highly male populated, you know, I kind of grew up as a, a girl who played with trucks and in the mud and went four wheeling and, um, you know, was my, my grandpa's sidekick learning poker at a young age. And I was into math and engineering and science. And I have a lot of interests that align with men. A lot of my good friends, when I was in my youth were guys and I didn't start developing relationships and you can probably hear it in my energy in contrast to Christina's, like she embodies that feminine energy and has a comfort with the vulnerability and the emotions. That's a mask. I really had to peel away. Mm. Uh, and I, I would say I'm still learning how to lead with that. And that for whatever reason, my upbringing led me more to that, that putting on the game face, having two versions of myself. And that showed up in so many ways, not just gambling. And so the other thing that I've been thinking about as you guys have been talking is the attention around substance use disorder and alcohol use disorder. And even in those communities, how inclusivity for those of us with behavioral addictions is not a thing. So I have been in spaces, all recovery communities where it's been a thing and they've made space for a problem, somebody with a gambling problem to speak out and speak up and invite people into a conversation about how maybe some things that are happening in the room or at the conference are not helpful to a problem gambler. But I've also seen come to our booth and spin the wheel, enter your name for a prize. Mm. Let's play recovery bingo. And those are all things that us as problem gamblers are encouraged to stay away from because they're contests of chance where if we won, we don't know what that damage could look like. Mm -hmm. And so there's this whole other element of inclusivity that I've been really thinking about lately when it comes to mental health in, in general, right? We're getting a lot more comfortable talking about anxiety and depression and chemical dependency and these behavioral dependencies, these hidden addictions are one where 
you know, we don't always do the best job of considering that perspective. And, and Christina and I have these conversations, like it's up to us to manage our triggers. So if I walk into a something else, 12 step program, and they're giving away what looks like a poker chip, it's on me to get my butt out of the room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and at the same time though, it is also an opportunity to have a conversation that says, Hey, why, why a poker chip? Like that looks a lot like a poker chip. Why, why that one? And not the one that looks like a coin. <laughs> why are we playing bingo? You know, is that, is that really a thing that we want to be doing? And yet it's well-intended. They're trying to have an engaging activity for people in that specific community. And yet so many people have co-occurring disorders mm-hmm. that, um, I hope, more people continue to have these conversations instead of it's either narcotics or alcohol or gambling or food or codependency. How do we wrap around and talk about, it's all a whole bunch of people who are struggling and suffering to be the best version of themselves. And how do we enable them by giving them the tools they need to become that um, without shaming them or accusing them of having some kind of moral failure? It, oh man preach mouthful <laughs> my soapbox <laughs> mouthful um sometimes you know we 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 always talk about addiction as an addiction at the end of the day and we how are we going to um not not think about excluding other addictions behavioral or um sud whatever how are we going to come together because a trip if a person has an addictive personality and I can be in recovery and been 15 years sober or 15 years stayed away from that, my, my type of addiction, but because I have an addiction and not understanding um, that I have an addiction personality, but in my head, I'm like, I'm just addicted to gambling and I can just go have a drink and that drink felt good. And then it's like, okay, I'm having another drink. And then because of my personality, my addictive personality, I just keep going, keep going, keep going. Um, because I'm looking for that first way, that first high that that or that first way that the, the, the drink made me feel. Um, and we're really trying hard in our in our region and in the state to really garner this movement that an addiction is an addiction. And it's just so easy for people to take on one, leave one and, and, and just take on the other with seamlessly without even like a blink of an eye and the really, and without no clear understanding that, that this, this is happening. Like it literally, like you said, can happen in a blink of an eye. Do you have suggestions? And I mean, I, I would, I can go into my soapbox, my personal soapbox on that. Um, but, you know, it's sometimes it, it, when we're vying for um, funding, that's when you start to really think that I have to focus on this because that's what my funders need me to focus on. But do you um, do you have any suggestions on how we can, even in our region and the state, really start to ha- like engage people in conversations? Like what would be a starter? There's so much. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and- just one, just one. I can only take one. 
<laughs> well, I, I will just say, just because I, I heard this on um, a podcast recently, the, you know, one of the program directors was asked what, you know, how much money would it take to bring more awareness? How, what, what can we do to bring more awareness to this? And you know what he said, he said, just talk about it. You can throw money at it all day long. Um, and it's, I mean, cause you look, you look at the money that has been spent on bringing awareness. Right. And we're still not really any further on than we were. And so it's just, it's doing things like this. It's talking about it. And I really feel like too, it's more about getting lived experience out there, getting more lived experience involved in the recovery, the clinical side of recovery, whether it's peer support or, or things like this, because those really honestly are the voices that I connect with. And there are the voices that, that a lot of us who are on the other side connect with. Um, and so I, that's why I just keep saying, I wish there was a better partnership between the clinical side uh, in, in the lived experience side, because I think that could be the game changer for lack of a better word. Um, I, I really think that could, could really move people. And I just have to say my friend, our friend, mine and Terry's friend, Kitty likes to call that a, when you s- switch addiction, she likes to call that whack-a-mole because it's like you get one batted down and then another one pops up. And for me, it was shopping or spending addiction. When I stepped out of recovery and thankfully I had people in my life, special people in my life who helped me recognize what I was doing because I love shoes. I love shoes. Like I could talk about shoes all day, but you know, that's kind of where I start. I kind of felt like I still needed to spend that money. It's almost like if I saw that money setting in my account, it couldn't just set in my account and do what it's supposed to do. It had to be gone or I was going to go gamble it. And so I chose to go spend it on something. And so it was just like, it's very much kind of that whack-a-mole situation. Like I don't have a better, but when she said that for me, I was like, that's exactly what it is. Because then once you stomp that down and then sometimes like, like being too involved in the social media, it kind of popped up for me, um, you know, being too involved in recovery can be a thing too. It's just like, you just have to find balance across the board. And that's so hard. I love how Kitty talks about it as whack-a-mole. I've got a way that I think about it for myself too. And, and like, you know, I, my addiction just changed lanes on the highway of self-destruction. Like they were all self-destructive things, whether it was codependency, alcohol, cocaine, gambling, take your pick. Gambling's the one. Chris, I always still feel silly saying it in front of Christina. Cause she's heard me say it a hundred times. Like gambling's the one that got me on my knees, crawling into the rooms of recovery and asking for help. But addiction showed up in so many ways in my life. And I'm fortunate that none of those were as harmful in the way that I engaged in them as gambling was, because I'd probably be dead. Mm. This addiction almost killed me. And that's another thing people don't talk about. They don't talk about the rates of suicide. I mean, you guys do. Thank you for all that you guys yes, do. Absolutely. Is it, 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 do you find that um, with maybe some of the women that you come across, those in, in, in recovery or in treatment or even before, like they're almost, who are still gambling, unfortunately, do you find that 
that um, suicidal ideation is is high amongst women because we know the stats of men, um, or we just know the overall stats, but not just the breakdown. Um, but do you find that women talk about it or have expressed? Yeah, very much. So I know, I know that the the ideations are there. I think the thing too that a lot of people don't recognize with women is, you know, I myself and and I know I can't speak for Tara, but I know that she would say, you know, we both experienced those things. But you know, women have they tend to think about, you know, what what's at home, you know, family and things like that. And and you know, I see that a lot. I I was just just this week I talked to uh, two different women who are really, really struggling and, you know, it's, but they, it it goes back to like, they don't feel like they can talk about it. They feel like it just shows weakness and it shows, you know, or they're afraid of being committed maybe too. Um, you know, that's a real, I, I hear that a lot too, in my GA things is even when they have these kind of thoughts, they get so scared of being committed or having some real aggressive, act when really I'm not sure I'm making myself very clear. Um, it's kind of hard sometimes to express, express when you're talking about this, but for me, when those feelings came up, it wasn't that I wanted to really end my life. It was that I wanted to end the addiction and the chaos. And that, that's what I wanted to end. And it was really kind of hard to separate the two. Um, so I understand. Um, I I I went on Brian's um, podcast. I can't remember. I think it was like two months ago, maybe in December. Um, and I recorded because when he started talking about mental health, I was like, I want to come on and talk. And um, and I talked about my suicide suicidal ideations and it, and and really spoke on. It's not that you know. It's not the, like you said, uh, Christina, it's not my willingness to want to end my life, but it was more so I'm so tired of feeling like this. It was really like, I am just tired. And it was not even like a tired, well, like I just need to go to sleep. I'm just like, I am tired of dealing with grief. I'm so tired. And so it's, it's, and it's like an unexplained, like you said, an unexplainable uh, feeling or an unexplainable um, notion. And I commend people who talk about suicide. You know, it's it's serious. It's a serious mental piece of addiction or mental health. It's it's a and under, and even breaking down that tiredness and that feeling, and then how to get through it it's, 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 it's so, um, complex. Yeah. Yeah. And I was saying what I was trying to say earlier, but I couldn't quite process it. Um, you know, like one of the women I was talking to, she, she said, you know, if it wasn't for my kids and Mm -hmm. that's, that's what I was trying to kind of say that, that so many women experience, but it usually comes back if it wasn't for my kids, if it wasn't for this. And so it's like, you know, they're scared to even just talk, you know, like, Hey, I'm struggling with these feelings. Can I, can I just like for any, 
it, it doesn't matter what we're struggling with, whether it's gambling addiction, whether it's grief, whether it's, it's a terrible relationship, whatever mental health struggle we're going through, I think, you know, there's still just so much stigma attached period, period, whatever, whatever struggle us as women go through. So is that how like the, the piece, and I think Tara mentioned it, mentioned the piece on um, the clinical with the, 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 the person, the peer and how that could piece could really help with um, people really identifying and talking more um, because you know that that person went through the same thing and, and how does, how, how would that really like in a, in a, in a therapeutic session, how do you think that piece would go? Because I think that support is, is important because I'm all about lived experience and talking to somebody who live, who really lived the same, not necessarily identical, but you've experienced what I've experienced and I know, you know, what's going on. <laughs> so yeah. how, how would that look in a clinical setting? Do you think? I think that would help the person who's struggling, um, maybe find a lane or a way to be more honest with their therapist, because a lot of people have had bad experience with therapists Mm -hmm. or, or, you know, maybe didn't connect in the past. And if there was, and two, it's like talking to somebody who's never experienced something that you've experienced, like you can, you can see that they're trying to understand, or you can see that they were trained to understand how your brain works. Um, but you, but you know, you know, when you're talking to somebody who knows Mm -hmm. what you're talking about, you see it in their eyes, you feel it in their, their words. And so I think it's, it's, you know, peer, peer support advocate, and and they have so many of those. Um, and I'm training to be one in my state, um, because we do not have one for gambling addiction here in Oklahoma. Um, I think it, it can be an extremely powerful tool. It can be a kind of that bridge you know, between explaining, you know, helping somebody who's, who's new to their recovery, who's trying to understand what they're, they're going through themselves, um, have that conversation with, with a clinician who has tools to help that person begin to heal and process and, and do these things that, that we all need to do to move on. I agree with Christina, um, about there being almost like a translator between the therapist and Um, and the person who needs help, but maybe isn't quite ready for therapeutic intervention. Um, I, I too have done the recovery coaching training and a lot of the, the training that I participated in was with individuals who are training for substance, substance use peer review. And an interesting thing in my state, I'm in Minnesota, um, peer recovery services aren't reimbursed for problem gambling here. It's not written into the treatment protocol in um, the Department of Human Services contracts where we've got, so I, I don't know if, if it works the same way in your state, because that's the that's another messy, messy thing we have going on as a nation is that there's, which in good and bad that, um, you know, these states have these lines and everyone's kind of attacking things in a different way. And um, our substance use recovery services. I mean, <laughs> Hazleton, you know, I mean, we, we are known for having so, so many resources and we're one of the States with one of the only residential, um, programs for problem gambling 
And at the same time, you know, the reimbursement for those services, because our state uses some of the funding to pay for treatment services. If you look at the, um, the contract bid process, the what's reimbursed is not, it doesn't include peer recovery, but if you look at the contract bid, bid process for substance use treatment services, peer recovery is a reimbursable thing. Now I could go on a big long tangent about the rates and how we value help in our society, but I will not do that. <laughs> no, but I really appreciate what you said about like needing that translation service, because I think that's, there's so, yes, I think that it's, it's beautiful how in some areas we are working to expand services, but there's still so much work to be done. And I think that there really is such of a value in having that peer support because there are so many times, I mean, even when people like call into our line, there are times that people call in and they say, you know, my partner said I should call or my parents said I should call, or this kind of feels weird. Like just kind of want to get some information, but they themselves, like when you think about stages of change are in that like contemplative, am I really ready for this? Is, is this really the problem? You know, I heard on a conference um, once that someone described, it was a treatment provider who said, you know, gambling for a lot of people is not the problem. Gambling can be viewed as a solution to the problem. And then it can be hard to identify if someone is having difficulty with gambling, that gambling is actually part of the problem. But making that shift in terms of how they're kind of assessing what's going on can be really difficult. So having someone who's gone through that lived experience, who has felt that, who's been in a similar position with them can help to refocus or reframe and see from a different perspective, right? Yeah, I agree with that. I think that's one of the other disconnects though. Like gambling is not a problem. Like, would you ever say that about somebody who is drinking five days a week for 30 days in a row? Would you ever say drinking is not a problem? Yeah. Like it is, yes, it's a symptom of an underlying mental health issue. Yes. All addictions are, you know, but, but you can look at gambling and say, it's not a problem because there's not physical damage. If of course you don't know about the neglect to our diets, the neglect to our sleep, the stress that we carry in our bodies and all the physical damage that that does too. the overstimulation of our brain, there is physical damage, but you're not going to smell it. We're not going to wobble. We're not going to trip and fall. We're not going to get a D-dub and we're not going to OD. And so gambling's not a problem. Like that whole narrative needs to shift. 1000%. And I, I totally agree because I think that there are so many ways that the way that things are structured, it's, that's how a lot of people frame it. That's how a lot of people view gambling as, I mean, even with all things mobile sports betting, we've heard so much about a risk-free bet, right? What does it even mean? What does that even mean? Um, <laughs> it's one of those things where a lot of people don't, they don't always see the other side, right? So having someone really raising voices for, you know, I mean, yes, all people in recovery, specifically you ladies in recovery, right? Talking about how there are so many risks associated with, I mean, yes, all things, right? Yeah, drinking, food, like there, there are so many addictions out there. So just having conversations like this is definitely the way to work to break down that stigma because that, that stigma not only exists for people themselves who are struggling, but really how we view gambling as a nation, as a world, right? So- I mean, there is 
there's so much work to be done. Um, but just in the interest of time, I know that we've been recording now for about an hour and I don't want to, I mean, we could go on, it seems like forever, but um, I do want to ask the both of you. So it is Women's History Month. I want to make sure that we are honoring um, the beauty and the love and the just genuine support that we as women have and we bring not only to um, our circles, but also our world, because again, Beyonce. Um, but I want to ask, how are you guys honoring yourself you know, not only today, but this month, this year, what, what are some things that you do just to, to honor yourself um, and celebrate the beauty that you bring to this world? Uh, for me, I, you know, I just, I work my recovery. I, you know, show up now differently for the, for the people in my life, for the women in my life that I, I interact with every day. Uh, so for me, I guess the biggest thing is just keeping our voices out there. I just released a podcast with eight women from the Broke Girl Society, all in different stages of recovery, different ages from like mid thirties to mid seventies with zero days, bet free to almost six years, bet free. Um, and, you know, doing something like that and, and putting something out there that everybody can relate with it, to me, that's, that's honoring women. And I think just you know, just being open and recovering out loud and, and doing those, those things, you know, I honor myself. And, um, earlier this month, I, I made it a year in recovery and, you know, that, that was a big deal to me and congratulations. thank you. And I feel like I've been talking about it for a month, but I, I'm just so, so proud. And I just didn't know that I, if I would see it or not, there were a few times where I just wasn't sure, but, um, yeah, I have a wonderful sponsor and, and I, I credit her tremendously. Um, I'd say for me, it's, it's a lot of the similar stuff. I think, uh, the best way to honor women's history is to make women's history. Amen. And so Christina's making history and I'm trying to do a bit of the same, um, and that does mean, you know, embracing my femininity and allowing my emotions in and feeling the feels. It's like one of my favorite phrases. I got to remind myself, it's okay to feel your feelings and teaching other women how to do that. So having the ambitious addicts podcast and beginning to introduce some, beginning to introduce some, um, low cost kind of introductory life coaching solutions. So I'm working on kind of creating some of my courses that will enable people to experience some of the tools of life coaching at a price that might be tolerable for a budget of somebody who is, you know, working on rebuilding their financial life. The other thing I did recently was participate with my state's problem gambling awareness campaign. And so that was me getting really vulnerable, um, and showing up, no makeup, all the wrinkles in a wrinkled shirt, (laughs) (laughs) letting them into my house and into my journal. And it was so much more than I thought it would be. And that now lives on the homepage of the Minnesota problem gambling website. And as scary as it is, right. I think that's, that's what I'm asking myself to do, to be brave, to do the things that, um, my ancestors No, wait, what is it when, (laughs) when they come after you? (laughs) It could be ancestors. <laughs> Girl, Wait a minute. Get, like, you, need, like, you need to get your life. You better come. You better, you better. Yeah, your generations. So, yeah, the generations. The generations that come after me that my son 
can, can say, look what your grandma did and, and be proud because if that story would have started getting written in 2016, it would have been a very different story. It was beautifully Um, done. They did such a great job. The production people who did it. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, and Brene Brown is um, an author and she specializes a lot in vulnerability and, and really putting yourself out there. And, you know, what is it that she says? Is it dare to be, it's dare to be vulnerable? No. What is it that she says? I just had it. Gosh, she says so much, but like just allowing yourself that space to be vulnerable and allow that part of you to to be out there, um, I think is such a beautiful thing because there's so much growth that happens when we're uncomfortable and we allow ourselves to be seen as our genuine and authentic self. Um, so kudos to you for, for allowing not only your story to be told, but your story to be told in an authentic way and allowing yourself that space to show up as Tara, right? Not as I'm going to put on my armor and, 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 pretend that I am, you know, Leilani and I definitely show up as ourselves. We will tell you guys that we're having a, a Friday of a Friday and our brains only work half the time. And sometimes- <laughs> Is that how we started our call? You know, it's- Exactly. <laughs> I don't know where I'm at right now. <laughs> and it's such, that. A, such a beautiful thing. So um, I is. just, I want to thank both of you for joining us, joining us as your authentic selves, being able to not only share with Leilani and myself, but also share with, you know, our listeners um, and, and allow this message to be released into the universe. And for those that are listening in, if you're receiving this message, I hope you today can show up as your authentic self because it can be hard and it can be scary. And the, the idea of vulnerability and, and asking for help when you need it, really, if it's for gambling addiction or help in literally any other way can be a really uh, a big ask. But I hope that through our conversations today and, and through other supports you have, you can feel that courage that we are sending you to show up as your authentic self, because it is a beautiful thing when you can do so. So Tara, Christina, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for all who are listening. Um, We are going to be signing out and there'll be some information in the show notes for where to find um, both Tara and Christina's podcasts. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah. Thank you.